Dan Mulder. Did I say that right? Yeah, you got it. Dan Mulder. Happy to have you on, bud. How's it going? It's going great, man. Thanks for having me. It's going me. on. Yeah, great. So, in the intro, I talked a little bit. We're going to be talking about the church today. So, I'm really hyped for that. And then we'll get into, like, describing the church. We'll define the church. Because it can be pretty confusing if you talk about a theological topic without defining what you're actually talking about. Yeah, for sure. And specifically today, uh, the universal church or the universal body of believers, all of those who are saved and covered under the atonement, uh, <clears throat> not necessarily getting into the nitty gritty principles of the local church and the purpose of that. Yeah, that would just be, I mean, we could do 15 episodes. We could do a whole podcast series on the church, but we're not going to do that. So I don't know, Dan, I actually really don't know a whole lot about you. I really don't. I honestly just met you a couple days ago. Yeah, so that's what you guys get. I pick up guys off the streets, and I'm like, hey, you look like a Christian. You want to come on the podcast and talk? No, I'm just kidding. But uh, anyway, no, Dan's a great guy. Uh, yeah, so do you want to, like, give us a little rundown? I mean, and that is something we're going to do at some point. I want to do testimonies. Maybe not now, but at some point. Okay. Anyway, so not now, but, like, where you come from, yeah, like, for sure. church you go to, <clears throat> that kind of stuff. For sure. So um, try to keep it quick, I guess, but... I was actually born in Delaware, lived there for the first two years of my life. Then uh, our family got up and moved to Aston, Pennsylvania, which is going to be um, close to Chester, and lived there until I was eight years old. My dad was going to be a part of a church plant in oh, wow. Voorhees, New Jersey, so that took us from Pennsylvania to New Jersey. Joyzy. Yes, sir. And Jersey was from nine years old to 16 years old. So I say I grew up in Jersey because my main developing years of my childhood where I went to high school and met met my most of my friends would have been all in Jersey. So, we, you know, we go over for this church plant. Everything falls through. Literally, a school bus drives through the brick building. And this, there's no what? no one can afford to fix it. And it was a wild. A story. school bus a, drives through a brick building. Yeah, so half a school bus in the the bottom floor of this <laughs> church that we were about to start in Voorhees, New Jersey. So um, <clears throat> that actually fell through, and it was a it was a trying time for our family because at this point we had moved away from all of our uh, family members in that Pennsylvania Delaware area yeah. to Jersey. Step of faith, and it all falls yeah. apart. Right, so it was like why are we here type of thing. You know what I mean? Got open doors and we ended up at a church called Hope Christian Fellowship. My dad became the youth pastor of that church. um, And we were there for two or three years. The issue with that church was my sister and I weren't yet old enough for youth group. And the programs for children were pretty weak and um, lacked depth. And it just wasn't really good. It wasn't really healthy for my sister and I. So because of that, uh, we started looking for uh, some new churches in the area. Ended up at Fellowship Bible Church. And in the meantime, also moved from where we originally were in, in Berlin, New Jersey. Moved yeah. over to Williamstown, New Jersey. Um, started going to Fellowship Bible Church, which is a uh, professing non-denominational church. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but your stereotypical non-denominational is going to be like party scene worship and things like that. You know what I mean? So it was none of that. Like It was definitely more of a Baptist feel, but yeah. titled non-denominational, which I respect to a degree because it's basically meaning we don't want to put ourselves under any mm-hmm. any like worldly not worldly but man-made doctrinal yeah, statement exactly. we just want to believe what the bible teaches right amen so yep. um i respect i respect that about them went through um youth group there went to a private school called gloucester county christian school and i graduated okay. with 18 other people in my class which wow, was actually a small school it was a blast though. i thought you 240 know? was small no no it was a blast um super small i mean the average class size is probably 30 but we had a small okay. very small class yeah. but um 
So yeah, ended up at Fellowship Bible, met some great friends there. Um, that's kind of how I got connected with that high school. Um, and then my sophomore year of high school, as my sophomore year was ending. Yeah, you're definitely from Jersey. Sophomore. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I had to point that out. <laughs> um, after that year was ending, uh, we actually ended up moving to Wilmington, New Jersey. Or excuse me, oh. Wilmington, Delaware. Wilmington, Delaware. Okay, so you've been all over the place. Oh, yeah. We're still going here, though. <laughs> so, um, yes, after the sophomore year, moved to Wilmington, Delaware. The reason for that was Wilmington is about 45 minutes to Westchester and 45 minutes to Jersey, where I was going to school. So and a per- lot of traffic in between there. And it's a whole lot of traffic <laughs> in between. But my dad had taken a position in Westchester. We okay, were still yeah, going yeah. to church, and I was still going to school in South Jersey. So that, okay. was, a, that was an intermediate space there. Um, so I actually finished private high school with my 18 other classmates or 17 other classmates while driving 50 minutes to school every morning. Um, and there was some families that were very gracious in allowing me to like stay the weeks at, you know what I mean? So I'd pretty much come home for the weekends or sometimes I wouldn't even come home for the weekends. So, um, that caused a lot of like early independence in my life too, which I think was super helpful in my growing in faith with the Lord. Like how old are you? How old am I now? Are you 20 or 21? I'm 19 now. You're not okay. I would have been 16 at the time, just driving, not really at home much. A lot of independence. So um, I feel like that could go really wrong for a lot of kids. But for me, I think it was uh, very beneficial in my growth. And kind of like my relationship with my parents was healthy because they trusted me. And also, you know, I'm on my own a little bit more, so I'm growing. Yeah, at 16, most parents don't trust any of their kids. Maybe I should say that. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, that's a... Yeah. Huge part of my life, obviously, is the my parents and the way that they've brought me up. Um, That's crazy, and it's cool seeing how like the church raises up leaders like you and guys who are passionate about the word and for I sure, mean, yeah. And even in even in churches now that I have gone to that I wouldn't go to now have been super beneficial. So it's like okay, yes, there's a small disagreement on a doctrinal a piece of doctrine. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you're still raising up people who yep. desire to serve the Lord with their lives. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which I think is. It's important not to get caught up on small disagreements and things that can cause division. Famous Bible verse to look her up or guy. We got two of them here today. Anyway, there's a Bible verse on that where uh, don't get caught up in foolish genealogies and controversies. Anyway, there's a Bible verse on that. That'd be a really good yeah, verse helpful. to bring in. That'd be helpful. But anyway, we don't have that. Yeah. So. Yeah. So then we're still in Delaware at this point, right? I'm a senior yeah. in high school and... It's like, what do you want to do with your life type thing? You know, so I'm, impl- I'm applied. I was enrolled and accepted. I was going to go to Dell Tech for pre-nursing. I was going to okay. get my RN at Dell Tech, and I was going to try to get accepted to University of Delaware and complete a nurse practitioner degree. So that's about six or seven years in total. And my, thi- wow. my thought at that point was, I'm only 40 minutes from all my friends. My life is in New Jersey. I'm 40 minutes from that. Live at home, right? Go to school. And uh, hang out with my friends on the weekend and stuff and just make it work. Um, So this is still my senior year. I have all this stuff planned out. All of a sudden it's, uh, what was it, May? And my dad says, I'm taking a position in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And in August, we were in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Right after graduation. Yes. So you go from May of that year to thinking, I'm going to live in this house until I move out. August, you're in a new house already. House sold, new house bought. Everything is, all of your plans hit the fan at that point. All of my plans that hit the fan, which I had moved now to Lancaster with this mindset of my life's in Jersey. 
I don't want new friends. You know what I mean? Like I'm not looking for new relationships. Like I'm going to keep everything in, uh, in New Jersey. Oh, and the famous bobble verser looker upper guy just came in clutch. Oh, Titus three verse eight. Okay, here we go. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law for they are unprofitable and worthless. Wow. Mic drop. Sweet. Yeah, you're that's super man. helpful. You're the man. That's what's all, you know, we're all, we need to be united under Christ. So 100%. That's interesting, dude. Yeah. So it's just cool hearing your story growing up in the church and all the places you've been. And I feel like yeah. I know you're really good now. Even there you I go, just man. met you yesterday. Yep, that's it. <laughs> it was longer than yesterday. Anyway, so I guess we'll get into a topic of conversation. Yeah, let's do it. The church. Okay. So before we start this series on the church, we definitely need to define the church. We need to... Uh, create the separation that the Bible gives between the local church and the universal church. So, I mean, do you want to walk us through the difference between, you know, the local church and the universal church and what defines that? And today we'll be hitting the universal church. So like believers from the past, believers from the future and the believers right now here on earth. So that would, what would be, what would compromise the universal church? Yep. hundred percent. So before we can draw the contrast, let's talk about what the universal church is. So like Trent, you already mentioned, the universal church is going to be the body of believers, past, present, and future. All of those who will accept Christ, have faith in Christ, be saved, and one day be glorified with Christ in heaven. So that's who we're talking about with the church. I think a misconception is we say that the church is the crucifixion, then Pentecost, then the church starts. So it's like, this is the church, Pentecost, and on, when the Holy Spirit descends from heaven um i think we get caught up in that and don't understand that the church is is from creation right when we see people looking forward to have a faith in christ that christ was going to be enough that they they need something to cover and that christ would be enough looking forward to that um that's they are a part of the universal church. Like the universal church does not start after the crucifixion. Um, so now the local church would, you, you would say local church would start at Pentecost. Correct. Okay. Yes, yep. Good. Yep. Okay, so yeah. we don't see local yeah. church pre Pentecost. We see um, temples. Like we see, we see the congregating of believers, but we don't see it ordained as the local church. We see the local church ordained after the ministry of Christ. The Holy Spirit has descended. Now we're raising up pastors and that instead of priests, yeah. like instead of ordained oh. priests, we're raising up pastors, discipling each other and, um, we're, and it, it looks differently. The means of Christ being the saving is the same, but the way God has ordained it changes. Huh. And honestly, I never, I never put that together. I mean, I put it together, but I would never have considered the local, I mean, the universal church to be from creation. Sure. I guess God did choose us in him before the foundation of the hundred percent. I mean, you look at so, Romans, the way yeah. that he talks about Abraham and Paul goes so extensively in like the first couple chapters of Romans yeah. talking about how justified by faith. Alone. Yes. Not circumcision. It wasn't anything. It's not works, right? So you think about the works of the sacrifice, the action of the sacrifice it had his, his justification had nothing to do with yeah. his work of salvation in that. So, or excuse me, his work of justification had nothing to do with the sacrifice in that yeah. point. You know what I mean? He's, it's still that faith. Uh, Abraham was justified by faith, just as you and I are justified by faith. And we still have, so we still have that tradition of, right? Okay. So before Jesus and like the Jews, they were circumcised, right? Yes. Yes. And now we are baptized. Now it's not the baptism that saves us. It's not the circumcision that saved Abraham, but it's a separation. It's a, uh. Yeah, What's it's what we're looking for. It's a mark, honestly. It it's is. not the seal. The Holy Seal, Holy Spirit would be the seal for sure. So there, but, I mean, Romans is very clear that Abraham was saved before his circumcision. 
Um, the sinner on the cross next to Christ. Christ said, I will see you in paradise. Pretty sure he wasn't baptized. You know what I mean? Um, so those are things that God command that the baptism of a believer is something that God commands. So um, I would argue it's importance, but we can't um, account justification to an act of something like that, no, an outward yeah, act. You know exactly. what I mean? It's only Christ. But it's cool to make that connection with like the Israelites, the circumcision they had, and then the baptism. It's just cool. For sure, know, it it's is. Cool. It's awesome. And it's interesting you know, to think about how it's all the same, but the way that God manifests it and the way that God has ordained it to be just looks different. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's, huh. still, it's still the sacrifice of Christ that's atoning for the sins of Abraham, and it's the same atonement right on the cross that is paying for my paying sins. For our sins, yep. So anyway, I guess that brings us into uh, bring up some Bible verses, right? Because we want you guys to know we're not just pulling this out of our hats, right? Like the whole point of this podcast, I want you guys listening, if you guys choose to listen, right, to like have a passion for the Word of God, to have a passion for understanding what the Scripture says. So everything we just said, one of the spots, I know you want to use John 17, so we can do that next. I want to read First uh, Peter 3, so... But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Uh, Dude, I love it. And now that's specifically talking to the Gentiles there. For sure. But, uh, dude, come on, man. That's one of those like powerhouse verses that you can't read without getting goosebumps. I know, it's like man. Uh, Romans. I guess it's in Romans three or something. I forget exactly. I'm actually going to try to turn to it now. We have a famous now Bible verse at Looker Upper guy. We have two of them. No, I, I'm going to find it. And this is totally off topic, but it's one. It's yeah. Come on, bring it on, dude. Do you know like how it goes? I can help you out if you know like a couple of the words. Romans. I mean, the whole book of Romans. That's a goosebump book. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. I believe that it is. Here we go. This is Romans 8. Oh, oh yes. Okay. Arguably, I would say unarguably, but arguably the best chapter in the Bible. I've heard it said if the Bible was a ring, Romans is the diamond on the ring. And if the if Romans is the diamond, then Romans 8 is the pinnacle of the cut of the wow. diamond. Right? Wow. Which I That's think is like a statement. super cool statement. That is a bold statement. I forget who said it. Um, but it was not myself, so don't credit me with that. But Give credit where credit's due. This anyway. is like totally off topic, but this is one of those verses, one of those goosebump verses. I'm in Romans 8, and I would say this is on topic, I guess, now because it's talking about the church. But verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Now in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us. From the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That, that is like the biggest goosebump verse in the Bible for me. I either cry or I get goosebumps or both. 
That's crazy. And I mean, it is on topic, right? Because this is what we're talking about when we talk about the atonement, when we talk about the church. This is what it is. You know what I mean? It's that safety and that security of the perfection and the exactness of Christ's atonement. It's It's not by principle that Christ died. It's not like Christ died, therefore God can forgive me. No, it's it is like exact it is finished, and it is perfect. It is finished. Exactly, man. it is finished. Hundred percent. And I think that brings us into this section of Acts. If we want to rabbit trail down here, um, so this is Paul, and he's preaching to the elders in Ephesus, right? So here's basically what he says: Pay care. This is uh. We're in Acts 20, verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all of the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. So he's talking to the elders in Ephesus. Which he obtained with his own blood. The church was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And obtained doesn't, it is purchased 100%, but it's like he strove for it. Strived, strove, strived. Strived for it. Yeah. He, strove is not a word. I, I don't know, but you know, you can he use it. He strived for it. He obtained it. Like as if it was like a race that he was trying to get to the finish line and then he got it. That's what the bride of Christ is. The The bride of Christ is those whom, John 17, we're going to look at it later. Those whom the father has given to the son. Christ goes and gets it. Like all the way. He has obtained them. This is, um, this is another one. This is another verse. I'm gonna pull all my verses out of the hat right now, but <laughs> and this is one. Okay, we're we don't need to necessarily get into husbands and wives and that whole thing. But if you're a husband, this is like you're never gonna meet this standard. But you need to strive to. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or in any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Christ dying for the church, sanctifying the church, cleansing the church. Yeah, without blemish. All like, of us. How could you say that the crucifixion, the atonement, wasn't perfect and wasn't completed if it's saying it's without blemish? Like, he is accomplishing everything necessary in his crucifixion. His last words on the cross, right? It is finished. His work has been accomplished, completed. Anyway, it's crazy stuff. I yeah, I'm not crying yet, but I probably <laughs> will be. So, we defined. So there, I guess we defined who encompasses the church. Um, the act, the ransom. Oh my goodness, I'm not. I'm gonna try to quit rain, but the ransom that Christ did to bring his church to him to create the church really um so usually when i'm doing stuff like this defining a thing i like to do who what when where why how if you grew up in elementary school any public school you learned that so we talked about who is the church what is the church when did the church start and we kind of hit that you the universal church has always been it's sure. god's people right right and that would be god's elect god's chosen people the people of god from the beginning of time to the end of time is the universal church the church um christ will not come back until the universal church has been accomplished. Like once everyone who uh, will be saved has been saved is when we, uh, that can be fulfilled. And obviously that's not anything that we'll ever be able to know. No. Hopefully soon though. That'd be kind of cool. That'd be really high. People come like a thief in the night, baby. Take me home. Okay. Um, so where is the church? Why is the church a thing? We talked about that. And how is the church saved? The purpose of the church is what I want to get into. Okay. The purpose of the universal church. Universal church. Now, the local church would 
you could argue there's differences in there For might sure. be, but like the body of believers right. all across the globe. So when you talk about the, the local church's purposes, it's going to be slightly more specific. Um, universal church is helpful because it's applying to all of us. Anyone who professes this faith, it's going to apply to. Um, no matter what role we play in church leadership, pastor, elder, deacon, or member, or attender, right? It doesn't matter. It's all the same. So I guess with that, what is the purpose of the universal church? What's the purpose of man? If you're a good Presbyterian, you know that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And enjoy him forever. Exactly. Yeah. So what does that enjoying look like? That enjoying is resting in Christ. Not enjoying as in like basking in the splendors of being a Christian, wealth and fame and health and all that stuff. Like that's not what enjoying is. Enjoying is taking part in what God offers and desiring that over our sin, desiring that over the futile things of the world. So when we're enjoying God, we're we're indulging in God instead of indulging in sin. So what's the purpose of the church? Is the same purpose of man to indulge in God. When I say indulge, I mean find our peace, find our purpose, find our joy in God, not in ourselves, ourselves, not in our money, sex, uh, stimulants, alcohol, drugs, all that stuff. You know what I mean? So that's what. That's what that is. And that's such a bold statement. That is such a bold statement. It is found in Christ and it's found in Christ alone, our satisfaction. So, I mean, to say that is, it has a bold statement. 100%. In a culture that is so worried about uh, purpose, who am I? What's my identity? Where where do I fit in? What do I belong as? You know what I mean? Um, It's all in Christ. Like, what is my purpose in life? Everyone struggles with that, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. We just talked about it, and it sounds so simple, but it is to enjoy, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. You, John Piper actually changed the words. He says, Jay Pipes. <laughs> he I says, know, all, all my preachers, I like, I give them like a, like a really ghetto name, like Jay Pipes. So like, I don't know, do you know who Matt Chandler is? Yeah. Yeah, so Explosive like Matty C. Yeah, Matty C. Okay. Paul Washer, Paulie Dub. I like anyway, it. Anyway, so Jay Pipes. Yeah, I like it. What's Jay Pipes Jay say? Jay Pipes anyway. says, he actually changes the wording to glorify God by enjoying him forever. So John Piper argues that we glorify God by indulging in God and not our sin. So his other quote to go along with that is that God is most uh, glorified by us when we are most satisfied in him. So how do we glorify God? Is it by is it by singing louder than people? Is it by helping more old ladies cross the street? Like, is that how God is really truly glorified by us? Maybe a result of us being satisfied. Sure, right? sure, but... Like you said, that is a result. Those things are a result of something else, a heart change. So God is most glorified when we are most searching for satisfaction in him and him alone. When we're searching for enjoyment, we're searching for peace, and we're searching for fulfillment, and we look to Christ, that is saying, Christ, you are the highest treasure. God, you're the highest, right? When we pursue, when we pursue anything else, like if I even start to pursue money, in a way that is more than I'm pursuing my relationship with God, I'm calling God a liar. I'm saying because he claims that he is our satisfaction. Hundred percent. And then so yeah. And now not to like confuse people like money. You can totally use money, and I know a plenty of people who have that have God has blessed them with an insane amount of money, and they are using it to spread the gospel all across the globe. So like that is a beautiful example of being satisfied in God. Yes. And the results of being satisfied. Hundred percent. And understanding that God, the Creator 
everything under it is creatures. Therefore, everything is subject to God. So money, where money comes and goes, is subject to God. So when you make money, like we think it's our own, right? But it's not. Is it? Is it really? It's to sustain it's us. You know what I mean? But, um, and of course that. I, I'm not going to say that you need to live in a shack so that you can be giving 80% of your money to missionaries, but I'm saying we think so much is ours and we think we've earned so much and we think we deserve so much and we forget everything is a gift. But that is more of a tangent. But talking about <clears throat> still not to lose track, not to lose sight of what our original question is, which yeah, well, is what we're even talking, we're talking about, about what's the, the purpose of the universal church. So we're talking about, you know, glorifying God, evangelism. So that would be the next step, right? So at this point, we're assuming we've, we're desiring God. We are pursuing God above our sin. Now, that does not happen all the time. Actually, we fail in that every single day. But we, our goal, our striving is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. We talked about that. What does that bring forth? That brings forth an overflow of joy in our hearts to go and sing, to go and uh, evangelize, to go and disciple people. Paul says, I think Romans 4 um, I'm not famous Bible verse or look her up her guy. We need you. Uh, go to, I think it's Rome. No, not Romans four. It'd be Romans 10. I believe it's talking about when beautiful feet. That's Romans 10. Well, beautiful, I'm talking how beautiful about, are the feet. Of the I'm talking about, um, you have a zeal that's not according to knowledge. Oh, that is a good one. So yeah, I mean, we need to have a zeal that is according to knowledge. Paul's rebuking people for having a zeal. That's not according to knowledge. So it's great to run up and down and sing and dance. But is that an emotional response to a song that sounds good? Or is that an overflow of joy in our hearts that Christ has died for us? If you run up and down the aisles and dance and sing because you are, you're, you're wrapping it in with that knowledge, yeah. that is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Because the true knowledge and the true understanding of Scripture it should produce an emotional response. And we can't separate and say, oh, because you're having an emotional response, you don't understand scripture. If you truly understand scripture, it should, our emotions basically should be a result of our understanding of scripture. They should conform to scripture. Our knowledge of scripture, our knowledge of Christ, weighed out with our knowledge of ourselves, right? If there's no knowledge of ourselves, then who cares about Christ and God? When you know about yourself and you know what you deserve and what you are, at the core, then you see how beautiful Christ is. Then you're led to a life of service. You're led to a life of worship. You're led. You to have a life no choice, really. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you do, but it's it's a. If you understand it, you will hundred percent. So Paul goes through mainly the first um, first couple chapters of Romans, probably the first four, just talking about the total depravity of man and what what man is apart from Christ, right? And then he starts to get into some good news. Chapters 8 and 9 are heavy about salvation and um, sovereign election. And then after that, he goes in Romans 10, the first verse says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. So he's saying, going all into these specifics about Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. And then after that, he's going in and he's saying, I don't know, you know, who's going to be saved and who's not, but my heart desire is that everyone would be saved. You know what I mean? And then from there, he says, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. And this hits home for me, being ignorant to the right, of the righteousness of God. These are people who experienced Christ and were ignorant of it. But how much more applicable is that today when you have the entire completed 
Word of God. I know. <laughs> like, how much more applicable is that? That's at the disposal of not everyone in the world, but everyone in America. I could have a I could have a um, ESV study Bible at my house in two days on Amazon, or I could just yep. Google it. Or Honestly, I could just download they deliver the on app. Sunday too, which is pretty cool. I've gotten a lot of stuff delivered on Sunday. I even got someone on Labor Day one. Really? Time. The lady was ticked. <laughs> anyway, but um, we have so much revelation of the righteousness of God and who God is. We have so much to learn. We have so much to be excited about. We have so much to enjoy, but we're ignorant of it. And that's what Romans is talking about there. Thank you. Bible verse looker upper. You guys are on fire. I love it. I love it. So I'm, I'm trying not to get sidetracked too much here, Trent, but keeping our original purpose is, or excuse me, keeping our original idea. What is the purpose of the universal church? All that whole tangent was just to explain that, the purpose of the universal church is the purpose of every individual believer. So then from there you could eventually stem into the great commission. Yep. The great commission. And let's, let's hit that dude, because I mean, really that's what we need to talk about. I mean, that is our goal. That is the mission of the church is to spread the good news. So, okay. So now we're going to get into acts. Yeah. And like, I don't mind pausing like this cause I can totally cut all this out. Well, you can pick them up. No, I, mean, we got, we, I can cut I'm, all this out. Eventually. <laughs> I'm going to need a coffee here. Eventually, Bible verse oh, looker uppers. <laughs> <laughs> Slash slave. Oh, let me get my whip out. <laughs> yeah, where's the paddle? <laughs> Just wait. I need a coffee. Anyway. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I use that at work all the time. Really? Yeah. And on my little brother. Can you get me a coffee? Don't show my girlfriend that. <laughs> yeah, well, no, she already knows about that app. I'm sure. <laughs> oh. All right, ready? Yeah, let's hear it. I'm not gonna cut that out. I'm not cutting. All right, that out. so stemming that from that, reading the Great Commission. Uh, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Every, if you don't have that memorized, you've heard it a million and a half times. <clears throat> so that is, that's the purpose and the call of the universal church, but it's the, it's the call of every individual believer. Yeah. And I think to go along with that, um, and this is something, this might just be me, but I think we definitely underplay like the value of baptism and the importance that baptism is like right there. We are called to baptize them in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit. It's not baptism that saves us once again, but like it is an important, it is a commandment. Like that's what Peter says, repent and be baptized. And so that's what, I mean, that's what we're doing for sure. And calling the repentance. It's important. Uh, we see the importance, I think mainly in two ways. Obviously it's a commandment. So that's just understood. If, if Christ commands it of us, then we should be expected to do it. Um, but we see John the Baptist sharing the gospel of the Christ that was to come people, uh, professing a faith in that savior to come and then baptizing them, right? Like kind of all in the same day, which if that happened today, it would be really frowned upon. But at that time, um, you know what I mean? There's really no reason that that should be frowned upon because, you know, John the Baptist sharing the gospel, people are professing a faith in Christ and he's baptizing them and, I think that it's really important to see that. Also, if Christ did it personally in his life, we need to think about yeah. how, the importance of that. And I think that some things we miss with the, we need to talk about the importance of baptism, but also 
if you're not baptized or if you know someone who is saved and died before get baptized, baptized man it's amazing oh 100% get baptized but why do you think Christ got baptized right so set the precedent i, I set don't the know. precedent i think so but also um we i think launched him in the ministry wasn't that the beginning of his it ministry was that, too? Right. So that's going to spark the beginning of his ministry, probably around age 30 for Christ. Um, but I think that this is misunderstood and not really taught um, as much. Is um, So we have a twofold thing that happens at the cross. We always know and we always think about um, the atonement, where God's wrath was poured out on Jesus for our sin. That's the negative aspect of the cross. What we forget is the imputation of the cross, which is Christ's righteousness imputed on my account. So it's a twofold thing. It's the wrath of God being poured out on Christ, and it's the righteousness of Christ being poured out on me. So when you only talk about the negative aspect of it, you're missing half of the beauty of the crucifixion. Um, The reason, uh, well, and this is a sidetrack, the hymn, I just used this in, a podcast last week. So if you're listening to both of them, I can't come up with fresh. You're a famous man. I can't come up with fresh information. I just said the same things over and over again, but (laughs) his robes for mine is a hymn. It goes, his robes for mine, a wonderful exchange clothed in my sin. Christ suffered beneath God's rage dressed in his righteousness. I'm justified. So it's like, sometimes we just think that Christ takes the robe of our sin, goes and dies on the cross. We get to go to heaven. But it's Christ taking off his robe of righteousness of, I lived a perfect life. I was baptized. I, I was tempted for 40 days in the desert, and I did not give in. So that means when you don't get baptized, I cover it. When you fail temptations, I cover it. Yeah, wow. You know what I mean? So that's that imputation of Christ completed every work of righteousness on our behalf. So why did Christ get baptized to complete that work of righteousness yeah. so that at the cross for his church, right? We're talking about the church. We're talking about the body of believers. Um, if you're a member of the church or if you're not, you should be dumbfounded by this, right? That idea of that atonement. Yes, we know that, but do we remember the imputation of Christ literally putting money in our account? It's a banking term. Imputation is a banking term. You're taking money from one account. You're putting it positively into another account. So it's like we started at negative, Christ took our debt and gave us more. And I think and here's the funny thing. All analogies fall short because like more and more. Yes. And more yes. And it's more. not like, like you were a no thousand limit. in the negative and he no. gave you a thousand in the positive. You were infinitely in debt, deserved a, an, an infinite amount of wrath forever and yeah. ever in eternity because of one little thing that you did. Just the fact that you were born into sin yeah. because of original sin, we deserve it. Let alone the countless sins that we, that we do every single day. And that's days on days, on weeks, on months, on years and years and years of God's anger and wrath building against us. And that's what we deserve, an infinite amount of negative, and we receive an infinite amount of positive. Yeah, and now, oh God, he looks at us. He has no wrath towards us. He loves us. That is the love of God right there on display. If you ever, if you ever, ever doubt the love of God, that right there is the love of God magnified and displayed. And you were talking about a hymn. um, There's another song I think we sing at church, Dressed in His Righteousness, alone faultless to stand before the throne that's amazing dude and there is my dog tika's barking in the background tika can you shut up please holy cow 
Anyway, I love. That sounds like a she tiny dog. What the heck? She's dude. like twenty pounds. Dude, I you look like, like a big dog guy though. Oh, I'm not a big dog guy. I I really like small. Oh, uh, really? You have yeah. cats? I mean, like, what are you gonna do? No. <laughs> oh, good lord! I hope we not. Them. So the church, the Great Commission, and what uh, we yeah, just God, talked about, right. what me and you just talked about it. That is what we need to be preaching to everybody. Everybody needs to hear that news right there. And if you are not preaching that news, we're not loving on other people, and we need to be reminded of that daily. Anyway, so we're having a little technical difficulties. Can you still hear it? What's the problem? I don't know what's going on. We got a bunch of punks. The famous Bible verse would look her up, guys. are confusing the heck out of me once again. Anyway, I think we're good. I mean, on my screen, it's showing up that we're good. Let's roll with it. Let's roll with it. <clears throat> Where were we at? What are we talking about? We're talking about the news we need to preach to everybody. And I want to read Romans 10. Is it still coming on the computer? You can't have nothing nice. I hate technology. I love technology because now we can do this podcast. But man, sometimes it just makes me mad. So hopefully this comes through. No, it's definitely coming through because I'm looking at it right now and everything looks a-okay based on the screen. I think you're hearing it through my headphones. Anyway, don't matter. Okay. Um... I think it's the voices in your head. <laughs> so Romans ten fourteen. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is risen, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Yeah. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what we have heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Yes. That is beautiful. I know. How beautiful are the feet. So, okay. Wow, man. We're 40 minutes in. So I want to wrap this up and I want to get into the complete, like what is the end goal of the church and like what we'll be doing in heaven. Like I know we talked about, me and Josh talked last time about like what heaven might be like and all that stuff. But if we talk about well, like, what's the end goal? And anyway, so there's a good spot in, um, there's a good spot in Revelation and <clears throat> Revelation chapter three. And I'm going to read this and I'm probably going to ball, but that's fine because this is just so beautiful. And all of us coming together and worshiping the risen lamb, the lamb who has died for us, the lamb who has saved us and the savior of the world. That's who we're going to be worshiping. Let me find this quick. Okay. So Revelation chapter 4 verses 10. And so what we're getting in this image is this is the end. This is um towards the end of time. And I'm not I'm no expert on like end times and all the eschatology. I think that's the word. I don't know. Yeah, I don't like you got it. Is it eschatology? I'm, I'm okay. no expert either. <laughs> but so the image we're getting here is we have 24 elders and they are surrounding the throne of God and they're proclaiming uh holy holy is the Lord God almighty. <clears throat> And there's creatures of all sorts, and there's ox, and there's people bowing down, worshiping the risen lamb. And so I'm going to pick us up here in uh, verse 8. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. 
And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So there we see the 24 elders and the end goal of those elders of the church. And they're bowing down. Okay, so just to get into this. So the Bible teaches that we'll have some reward in heaven. A lot of people think that it will be crowns. So while we are judged, right, we have the righteousness of Christ. And we are judged. We're guilt-free. We don't have a spot of sin. Christ didn't die, so we come to heaven. And then he'd be like, oh, yeah, well, you messed up this, this, and that. It is covered by the blood of Jesus. But the Bible also teaches in the same sense that we will be judged according to what we have done. So there will be a judgment of believers, like the good works that they have done here on earth, and then they will receive their reward according to that. That's what the Bible teaches, and I need to get some verses to look that up. But anyway, so these 24 elders, they have their crowns, and they're surrounding the Lord God, and their crown represents their reward that they got for everything they went through here on earth. And there's a lot of theories behind who the 24 elders are, but that doesn't matter. These are like leaders in the church, and they're surrounding the throne of God. They take their crown off, and they cast it before the Lord, saying, God, you are the one worthy. Everything that I have done pales in comparison to what you have done for me. And I think, while it's only the 24 elders doing this, I think this would be all believers. Everyone who Christ has saved, our works pale in comparison to what Christ has done for us. And so I hope that will be all of us just casting our crowns before Jesus, worshiping him and saying everything I have done is just pales into comparison to what you have done for me. And all of it is only possible because of what you have done for me. So that's the end goal of the church is to worship God. 100%. And just keeping in mind that the church is something that God has ordained, right? Like Jesus, Jesus was not an afterthought. Like, shoot, they sinned. I would like to save them. Jesus, why don't you go down and die, right? Like, this has been Jesus' purpose in the Trinity has been Savior, prophet, priest, and king from before the foundation of the earth. Before there was sin, Christ is Savior. That's his purpose. That is God's purpose, right? So the church, you know, saving people, is God's original plan. And what is God's ultimate goal for anything? To bring glory to himself. God's ultimate goal for anything is to bring glory to himself. So ultimately, if the church exists, it exists to bring glory to himself. Why does nature exist? Why does why do people exist? Why does anything exist? God's purpose for everything is to bring glory to himself. And since everything is created, creature, creator, right? Since everything is created, God is not subject to anything. Like God created time. He's not subject to it. He exists outside of it. God created people. He is not subject to people. God is over them. Um, So I think it's the same thing with the church is, God is over the church. The purpose of the church is the way God made it to bring glory ultimately to himself. We talked about how you do that by enjoying him forever. Yep. And that's awesome. So, yeah, I just want to read that again. And as uh, this is another thing I want to get into. As we talk about this theology and stuff about the Bible that God has revealed to us through his word, 
we can't miss the fact that it's all due to praise him and glorify him for what he has done. So, like, after talking about what we just talked about, I mean, we need to be able to say, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed, and they were created. It's humbling. Well, and you this, just Bible versed my, my theory right up. That was excellent. But, yeah, that's awesome. And hopefully also, I should have said this at the beginning, but... Um, this should hopefully spawn a desire to go read this yourself, right? Like don't say something or don't believe this because I'm saying it and Trent's saying it, but go to scripture and find this stuff out for yourself. Yeah. Well, so I just got a quote from the famous Bible verse or look her up or die. Man, you guys love getting rolled. This isn't a Bible quote and I need a nickname for this guy. Who is it? <sighs> Spurgeon, but I don't have a nickname. Chucky, Chucky oh, S. Charles. Uh, hmm. I don't know. Swaggy we'll talk Chuck. about it. Swaggy Chuck Spurgeon says it is the whole business of the whole church to preach the whole gospel to the whole world. Quote by Swaggy Chuck. S. I like it. I like it. That's our business. That's our goal. That's what we're gonna a little do. Little Spurge, and that's what this is all about. Now we're better equipped, right? Did you hear me? What? A little Spurge. It's a good one. Good spurge. Yeah. A word from our producer. A word from our producer. The boss man. The small man downstairs. <laughs> I, not the big man upstairs because... The small man downstairs? I feel like that might be heretical to say that. But... Uh-oh, here comes. Drum roll, drum roll. What you got? What you got? Talk okay. to me. Yo, we got another one. <laughs> we got a doozy. Okay. So this is by, we need a name for this guy. Who is it? Edwards. Oh, Jonathan Edwards. Johnny E. Johnny E. Johnny E with the dub. Seek not to grow in knowledge chiefly for the sake of applause and to enable you to dispute with others, but seek it for the benefit of your souls. Amen. Wow. That's, That's solid. I like it. I like it. That's a great way to end. That's a great way. That was actually really well written for Jonathan Edwards. Usually I have to read him like 18 times. Yeah, right. To understand him because he's so freaking old. <laughs> anyway, that was a good one. Or smart. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I am neither of them. So. <laughs> Me neither. All right. Any uh, Anything you want to wrap it up with? Uh, it's been an honor. Thank you for inviting me. It's well, been a ton of fun. It's an honor talking to I'm you glad that sure. you got to know me a little bit more. I got to know you a little yeah. bit more. Um, if I could say anything to close, it would be um, glorify God by enjoying him forever. That's your role as a church member. So if you want to pursue joy to the utmost, if you want to pursue satisfaction, if you want to pursue fulfillment, pursue ministry, pursue knowledge of God, right? That's that's what we need to look that's for. That's all of us. No matter what you do, you are in yes. ministry if you are a Christian. That is your calling. And pursue others who are not saved uh, from a standpoint of understanding that they don't deserve it any less than you do. Understand... Yeah, wow where you come from and that I need Christ every single day just as much as someone else needs Christ every single day, whether they're saved or unsaved. Like I need Christ to keep me and hold me today. Now I know with scripture that he's going to, you know what I mean? But I, I am just because I got saved once doesn't mean that I am self-sustaining Christian. Like I'm in, I am in the same need every day that an unbeliever is. The difference is that Christ meets my need. And I need to share that Christ meets the need of others. That's that. That's where we need to come from. 
when we're sharing the gospel. Heck yeah. Love it, man. Sweet. All right. Hey, thanks, guys, for listening to the latest episode of For the Rebels podcast. It's been awesome having you on, Dan Dan, the fireman. And are you a fire? You're not a fireman. No, I don't know why. not even That's close. Just, I don't know why it came into my head. Anyway, thanks, Dan. And um, yeah. yeah man. Keep rebelling against the world, boys. Awesome. Peace out.